You know, I want us to talk this morning about our life. We, we said that our theme, and as we look at a healthy church, is, is this month talking about being full of people who are uh, sacrificial servants. People who are uh, busying themselves about other people's business in a sacrificial way. You know, it, it, sometimes I wish the Bible were a little clearer. When it comes to exactly what my life is supposed to look like, you know, I guess all of us make all these choices and we have to find balance in our life. But, you know, how much time should I work? How much time should I sleep? I mean, how much, how much time should I, should I take for just, you know, for vacation? Uh, should, should I read my Bible for 30 minutes a day or should I read my Bible for two hours a day? Is, you know, do, do I need to be, you know, do, do, do I need to be praying on my knees every day or once a month? Or, I mean, all these questions, and, and I'm constantly trying to figure that out. And the Bible just really doesn't tell us, right? But, but the Bible does give us principles. And I think those principles, well, it's because not everybody's life looks the same. But, but the pursuit of the principle, the pursuit of, of, of the very image of who Christ was, is something that we have to all find a place to play out in our life. And, and so as we talk about what our lives look like, uh, and I was thinking about these lessons, I, I went back to when I was a kid. And, and I remember, and I, it seemed like there was a song that went along with this, but for the life of me, I cannot remember it. But, but it was this word, joy, right? J-O-Y. You guys remember learning this when you were a kid? Some of you? Jesus first, others second, yourself last, Right? J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Now you can look all through your Bible and you'll never see J-O-Y means Jesus first, uh, uh, others second, yourself last. It's not in there, right? But I believe it is in there in principle. I believe the Bible teaches that idea that we ought to be striving to live our lives wherever we are, whenever we are, striving to constantly and consistently have Jesus as the first thing in our life, and then to have others second in our life. And then, listen, the thing that comes so easy to me, the thing that comes so natural to me, I come at the, I come at the end. This is not easy. This doesn't happen naturally. Most people completely flipped this. Most people live a yoge life. Just made that up on the spot if you thought that was catchy, right? But, but most people live this life where, where, hey, it's all about me, and every once in a while I might think about somebody else, and at the very end there's God. That's what seems to come natural to us. But I believe when we open up the Bible that we find this idea of J-O-Y, joy, all throughout our life. You know, I, I, want, us, I want us to begin by, by thinking Thinking about maybe one of the most important scriptures to me when I was a young man, but that was in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, right? I mean, uh, probably easy because, because we always sang. We, we, we always sang this as a song. But the idea that Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, now that verse doesn't make life easier. It doesn't make implementation easy, but, but it tells us about the direction of our life. That we want to be a people that are constantly and consistently putting God first in our lives. 
You remember a couple years ago, and by a couple, I guess it's probably 20. Uh, I'm getting older. But, but this idea that, that people used to wear around these little, these little bracelets, remember, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? And some people say, well, it should be what did Jesus do? And people had, but, but all, all, the, all the debate was, we ought to be looking at the life of Jesus and saying, I want to reflect him. I want to look like he looked in his life. I want to have God at the center of my life. And I can tell you that there are a lot of decisions that I've made in my life that have come right back to the words of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. You know, I mean, should, should, I, should I travel on this road or should I travel on that road? Well, what would God say about this? What does God's word say about this? Because I don't want to do things that are going to violate his word, and I want to, I want to reflect his glory in everything that I do. And so I would just encourage us, as we think about our lives, in whatever, in whatever area or whatever arena, that I'm also thinking about God. How does my life bring honor to God? You know, it, it, it's not enough to say, I'm... I'm I'm going to keep from dishonoring God, right? It's not enough to say, well, well I, want to, I want to keep away from sin. Obviously, that, that ought to be a minimal standard in our life. But, but we need to take this, this next step. I think it's this next step in maturity, and, and you see this reflected in, in healthy congregations of people who are not only trying to avoid sin, but people who are legitimately and honestly trying to reflect the glory of God in everything that we do, in the things that, that, that may, seem, may seem to have so little to do with our faith, but in reality have everything to do with our faith. How am I bringing honor to God? I mean, by, by being here this morning, isn't in part what you're trying to do is to bring honor to God? I know, I know I am. I mean, that, that, that's one reason that I sing and I bow my heads and I, and I open up God's Word because in some shape, form, or fashion, I'm trying to make this point that you are worthy. You're worthy of my life. You're, you're worthy of my time. You're worthy of my energy. You're worthy of, of my finances. You're, you're worthy, and I, in some very small way, I want to acknowledge that. If you're, ever, if you're ever struggling in, in a worship service, then probably what needs to happen is you just need to grab a hold of yourself and recenter yourself to understand this is about God. What, what Joe was saying was, was right on this morning, right? And anybody's got a problem with how long I preach, you see Joe James about that, okay? Right, he still ain't going to smile. But anyways, but, but this, <laughs> his wife will for him. But, 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 but this idea that, man, we want to seek God and bring glory to Him. Even in regards to, to, to what, what we do with, with our day-to-day lives. One quote that has always just stuck out in my, in my mind came from, from Martin Luther, and, and he spoke about a person's vocation. And by voc- it means just what, what you do for a living, right? And, and there's this line in some of his writings where he says, a person's vocation should serve as the mask of God. And, and so he, what he was trying to get at is it's not just something that you do that's separate and apart, but in what you do, even for a living, I want you to see the hand of God working through you. That, that a, farmer, a farmer doesn't just go out and plant seed and, and then go out and harvest the crops, but, but a farmer is, is, is the way in which God provides 
nourishment for a world. That, that, that someone who, who is a lawyer, you know, he, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just execute a case, but, but God is actually in some way executing justice through him. You know, as someone who drives a truck for a living, they, they, they don't just drive a truck for a living. They, they don't just sit, sit in that cab all day. God is actually distributing things, supplying people through that. And I'm telling us that, that there's a different way in viewing how, how, how we live our life, isn't it? Whether I'm just routinely going through my life and doing my job and putting my, putting my eight to ten hours in, or actually, am I actually showing up today to be a vessel of God? That there's a huge difference. Sometimes people will ask me about, you know, we got this going on or that going on, and, and talk about coming to help, and, and, and I'll say something. I'll say, you know what? I, I doubt that you can afford me. Right? I mean, if you just wanted to pay me by the hour what it would cost me to go over and do that for you, I probably, you probably can't afford me, but I'd probably do it for free. And, and I'm, I, in some small way, I'm just trying to make this point that, listen, if all I'm doing is going to do it for money, I don't really need the job. Okay? I don't really need the job. But, but if it's not about money, it's about something a lot bigger than that. It's about being a servant. It's about showing kindness. It's about showing love. It's about having compassion. Well, then listen, I don't care how much money you have. We're, we're, we're going to make sure it gets taken care of. Right? That's all part of not just avoiding sin in our life, but, but that's a part of, of bringing honor to God with the things that we do. Brian read for, read for us the words of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 22 when he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, for this is the first and the greatest commandment. All the other commandments, everything else flows from this idea that I love the Lord. I'm looking forward to when we talk about growing faith next month because one of the things I want us to talk about is, is, is to understand that, that part of what ought to drive us in our lives is not just that we made a decision so long ago, but that we actually love the Lord. That we, we are passionately in love with our God and we want to bring Him glory. That's what Jesus says. This is the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. And so Jesus is there in the garden. And what is he praying? Father, let this cup pass from me. His, his human will was, I don't want to do this. This is going to be painful. This is not going to be fun. Right? I mean, you, you know, put up a... Put up a sign-up sheet to go to, to go to Disney World, and people come out of the woodworks look at, looking to go, right? I mean, I would, but but put up a put up a sign-up sheet to go and 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 you know cut hedges, and we got one or two people. Why is that? Well, because one is fun and one is not. And Jesus says, if there's any other way, then let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus is this example of putting, of putting the will of the Father first and foremost in our life and being driven in, in, in those major life-changing decisions by the will of God. Not just what I want to do, 
not just what is best for my children, not just what fits best with, with my plan for, for my life, but I'm constantly saying, how is this going to bring glory to God? Jesus first. But then he says, others second. For the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says the second is like it because ultimately if you love God, you're going to love your neighbor. If you tell me that you love God but you hate your brother, what's the Bible say about that? I love the Lord, praise His name, and I'm leering across the aisle at somebody that I can't stand. You don't really love God. Now, I may want to convince myself that I love God, but he says, you don't, you don't understand the love of God. The second is just like it. There are lots of people who do lots of things for other, for other folks, but it has nothing to do with God. That's not what I'm talking about either. These two things go hand in hand. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus first, and then others second. And I know there's this area of my life where I think this is about me and God, and I, it's going to be, I'm going to be right with God. I, I understand that, but, but, but as, we, as our life plays out, Jesus says, I want you to be concerned about other people. I want you to be doing good for all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. I, I want your default to be, to be, what do others need? How can I help other people? Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I, I can tell you something that, that frustrates me. And this frustrates me sometimes outside the church, but, but it just hurts sometimes inside the church. It's people, people who, who live their lives with no regard for anyone else. Just, just deciding what, 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 what I'm going to do without, without thinking of, well, how, how does it impact this person? How does it impact that person? What does this person need? What, what does, does that person need? H- haven't we all seen that? Haven't we? But I can tell you, and I'm just being real honest, that, that, that does exist and it does frustrate me. But the more that I think about it, I mean, the, the more that frustrates me with myself. Because I know how often I'm selfish. I, I know how often I think of what I want and what I need, and, and, and I get frustrated with me. And what I'm saying is that you get frustrated with the whole concept that most of us are not very good at. How is the life that I'm living impacting the life of other people? If I, sometimes I like to think if, if I wasn't here, would it make any difference at all? I mean, I know it would make a difference to me. But, but would it make a difference to someone else? Would there, would there be something missing that I would have said or I would have done? Oh, and, and I'm not talking about in a boastful way. I'm talking about in, in, the, in the name of God, in, in the service of God, in the sacrifice of God. Do I love my neighbor as myself? And, and there is this goal there's this goal that, that I hope that you're striving for because I'm working on this and praying about this. I just want that to be my default. Because I think that's, that's the default of someone who looks like Christ. That before I think about myself, I think about other people. But I'm telling you, i, I got to retrain my mind. Paul said he had to buffet his body, right? I think this is exactly what he's talking about. That there are these things that they don't come natural or, or, or they, they don't come easy. 
Philippians chapter 2. And by the way, you probably get tired of me going back to Philippians chapter 2, but it's just this monumental verse in my mind that that helps me. When, When Paul says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each of you esteem others better than himself. And, and we read those words, and it's like, yeah, that's what Jesus is supposed to look like. I love it when people, when people go out of their way for me. I do. I expect that out of Jesus. I expect that out of the church. Man, he's talking about you and me. He says that's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be someone who esteems others now, now, who is that? Thomas, who is that on the front row? That's everybody but you, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty broad category, right? For me, it's everybody besides me. We esteem others better than himself. That's tough. We, we live in this entitlement society. Don't we? I mean, without getting even into the politics of it, I'm just talking about the way that we the way that we talk to each other. Anybody ever felt compelled to stand up and, and say what, what people owed you? You ever thought it in your mind? Maybe some of us, you know, we keep our, do a good job of keeping our mouths shut, but I know some of my mind gets in overdrive, and my wife says whatever's on my mind comes out across my face, so I guess I'm not hiding it, Right? But this idea that, man, somebody owes me something, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to get mad if they don't give it to me. Have you ever seen that? You ever seen that with the people that you work with? People that you worship with? People that you socialize with? People that you stand in line with at Walmart? Getting personal now, aren't we? Right? This idea, he says, no, I want you in lowliness of mind. Not to be entitled. Let each of you look out not for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. So, so, we, so we think about our interests, right? Okay, what, what, what are, we have interests, right? Um, some of you, you talk about your vacation, right? Let me talk about my vacation. Let me talk about my family. Um, let me talk about my, my, I don't know, what I'm having for dinner this afternoon, uh, let, let me talk about all these things in my life that instead I ought to be saying, I wonder how I impact his vacation. I wonder how I impact uh, what he's going to have for dinner today. I wonder how I impact um, what he does on Tuesday night. He says, not just about my interest, about their interests. I mean, I don't know you fill in the blank with, with whatever your interests are, right? Apparently I'm thinking about vacation and something to eat, but... but <laughs> But this idea of what, what, whatever your interests are, he says, I want you to flip it. I want you to flip it, and I want you to think about other people. Because this, this is the mind of Christ. This is what Jesus did. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. It's not entitlement. It's not what, I, what I'm owed and I, and I better get it or I'm going to pitch a fit about that. Seen that in too many people that call themselves Christians throughout my life. Seen that in the mirror too many times. It's this idea. Listen, 
I understand what I'm owed. What I'm owed is eternal damnation. What I'm owed is eternal damnation, and I have gotten heaven at his expense because he cared more about what I needed than what he wanted. And until I understand that, until I learn to embrace that, until I'm stunned by that, I'll always have a sense of entitlement. But once I get it through my thick skull, what I really deserve and what I really receive, that's when I can find joy. That's when I can be a servant. That's when I can say it's not about me. Listen, if they don't give me what I think I deserve, I mean, what I deserve is far worse than whatever bad treatment you're going to give me. Right? Well, you, do you know what they said to me? Do you know what kind of tone they had? Do you know the way they looked at me? Do they? I mean, we, we've played this, right? How does that compare to me going to hell for all of eternity? Which is what I really deserve. All of a sudden, your bad looks aren't, aren't, aren't so much. Right? I, I think I can tolerate. And I'm not crippled by these things so that I actually can serve. We've got to preach this to the world, but we've got to preach this to ourselves. To be a people who put Jesus first in our life, and then we put others second. We put other people and their needs before ourselves and our needs. Look, Philippians 2, maybe you're there. If you're not there, turn there. This is not, not on the PowerPoint. He's, he's going he's to keep writing about the mind of Christ, and I won't delve into what that looks like too much, except for j- just, just go, go through here, Ver, verse 14, okay? Verse 14, what, what does this look like? Do all things without grumbling or complaining. That's been quoted at my house a couple times, right? Whew. H- how many things? All things. Because I'm telling you, when I'm grumbling and I'm complaining, do you know who that, who that really gets to be about? Me. Right? That's why I grumble. That's why I completed this and I didn't like that. Okay, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. He says, knock it off. That's not what Christ looks like. Christ didn't go to the cross. Well, I'm going to die for these people, and they're no good. That was, sorry, but but that's but the, he didn't do that. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. Hold fast that word. Look what he says in verse 17. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. He's not talking about Jesus here. He already talked about Jesus. He says, in my faith, I am being poured out. I am the sacrifice. I am being poured out as a sacrifice. For what? For your faith. He says, that's where I'll rejoice. How do we get to this idea of being a sacrificial servant? We look at the image of Christ and we say, I want to be like Christ. Not just I want to be with Christ, I want to be like Christ. I want to reflect His glory through my life. And what He was, was that great suffering servant. So I too must be a suffering servant. First Peter chapter 2, this is the example that He has left us. Slide down just a little bit. Paul says, I'm, I'm going to send Timothy to you, to, to the church at Philippi, right? Why? Verse 20. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. You see that? Here's why I'm sending Timothy to you. 
And he doesn't say, I'm sending Timothy to you because Timothy is really good with money. He doesn't say, I'm I'm sending Timothy to you because Timothy is a really good guy, because everybody likes Timothy. I'm sending Timothy to you because that's who you request. Maybe all that's true, but he says, I'm sending Timothy to you because there's something different about him. He is really genuinely concerned for your welfare. That's what this looks like in the church. Can't you tell if people care about you or not? You ever felt like people didn't care about you? Maybe people that you thought did care about you? I mean, it, it hurts. It's hard to process. But you, but you, ever, you ever seen someone and you're like, man, man, they're just really going out of their way for me. I mean, I think about things that people have done or people have said years in the past, but they are still here, right? Because I see those things. That's why I'm sending Timothy, because he really does care. Not just about himself, not just about his career, not just about making Paul happy. He cares about you. And then he goes on to talk about Epaphroditus. I'm going to send Timothy and I'm also going to send Epaphroditus. Why are you sending Epaphroditus? I thought it necessary, verse 25, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because... He was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God has mercy, had mercy on him. Okay, so we're going to send Epaphroditus to you because Epaphroditus is really upset. Now, what is Epaphroditus really upset about? Well, is Epaphroditus upset because he's been really sick and nobody from Philippi sent him a card? Nobody called, nobody cared, and he's really aggravated. No, it's the opposite. Epaphroditus is upset because he heard that you heard that he was sick. And he's worried that you're going to be upset about him being sick. You, you, ever, you, you ever keep things from your children? You, you, ever, you ever keep things from, from your parents? right? No, depending on where you're at in that scale of life, right? I mean, this thing is going on and it's not good, but, but you don't tell your children because you don't want them to worry. You, you don't tell your, by the way, if your children are 40, just tell them. They need to know, okay? But, but side note, if you don't tell your parents because you don't want them to worry. All of us understand that? He says that's what, that's what Christianity looks like, where I'm more concerned about your reaction to this news than I am about the news and the sickness even to the point of death for myself. You see how he's illustrating that? I'm sending Timothy to you because Timothy genuinely cares for you. I'm sending Epaphroditus to you because I'm going to tell you Epaphroditus, he's, he's about sick all over again because he knows that you actually heard that he was sick and he's concerned for you. See, that's what the church is supposed to look like. That, that's, what the health, that's what a healthy church looks like. It's full of people, not, 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 not living for ourselves, but living first and foremost for Jesus and second for others. That's what Christianity looks like. 
and if, if we had time, I know, I know that so many of you live your lives exactly like that. I could go around the room and I could give examples of people, of people that are, listen, living for others. But, but it's almost like when Paul writes there in 1 Thessalonians and he says, he says I'm going to write to you about love, even though I know you know about brotherly love. But, but I'm gonna write, I, want, I want you to abound more and more. And we're talking about this because, not, once again, not because this is rocket science and you've never heard this before, but I think we all, we all have to constantly and consistently recenter our lives and say, and say, I want to abound in this more and more. I want to give more attention to this because I want to look more like Jesus. He's our example. Friends, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He did so. He did so to the, to the very glory of God. He did so because that was the will of the Father, not His own. He did so for your sake and for my sake. See, He lived His life as a sacrifice. I often think about how Jesus could have lived His life for Himself. I guess he would have stayed in heaven first and foremost if he lived it for himself. But, but I'm going to think in earthly terms. What would you do if you could do anything? Well, what, well I mean, what, what would your life look like if you could had the power to speak the world into existence? It'd never storm at your house again. You'd never have to, you'd never have to mow your grass You'd have the finest home and the finest truck and the, and, the, and the best boat and you'd take the best vacations. You'd be like, yeah, you'd be like Scrooge McDuck with a big money bin, right? Because you, I mean, just speak it into existence. Why, why wouldn't you? You could go swimming in it. I mean, you, 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 could, you, could look like, you could look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or the female version, whatever that might be. I don't know. But, but I mean, you just kind of let your mind go of, of if you had that power, what, what could you be? And then I think, well, but Jesus had that power. He had that power. I mean, He spoke the sun into existence, right? He spoke the universe into existence. He holds it up. He, he sustains it, Paul would say in, in Acts 17. But yet what He chose to do was leave heaven and come to earth. And when people would come to follow him, he would say, you, you know that I don't even have a place to lay my head at night. Are you sure you want to follow me? He didn't, he didn't use his power to his own benefit. He didn't, he didn't, create, he didn't create a five-star restaurant right there in Judea. Could have. Didn't do it. All the things he didn't do so that he could do one thing that benefited us. He died as a perfect man, as a perfect sacrifice. And he leaves us an example. He leaves us an example of how we ought to live our lives, striving to actually be a sacrifice. Not a sacrifice at the altar of our life. We're far too good at that but a sacrifice at the feet of God, a sacrifice for the good of others. That's the mind of Christ. Jesus first, others second, yourself third. You live your life like that?
you'll show Christ. I'm going to ask you to repent. I'm going to ask you to be baptized for the remission of your sins if you've not done so, because that is the will of God. If you've lived your life for yourself, I'm going to ask you to repent because that's not the will of God. It's not the will of God that we would live for ourselves, but that we would live for others. May we abound more and more. May we, may we draw that line in the sand today as we stand and as we sing.